Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this week's episode, I talk with Dr. Rachel Goldman, a clinical psychologist, about how to love yourself when you aren't feeling your best. We discuss how to fit in self-care into your day, the concept of being good enough, as well as how to remind yourself that you are still a good mom, even if you've had a bad day. If we are telling ourselves that we are not good enough, if we are telling ourselves that I'm a bad mom, I don't deserve this, it's going to directly impact how I feel about myself. And then it's going to impact how I act and my behaviors. And it becomes a really vicious cycle. So that's where we can start being mindful and more kinder to ourselves in terms of the words we're using when we speak to ourselves. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. I am so excited to share that one of my favorite humans is back on the podcast today. Dr. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm always so excited to join you. So I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you. Well, I love talking to you and you are just a wealth of great advice, um, especially when we talk about how moms can love themselves when they aren't feeling their best. I know as a mom, I experienced that. I know you experienced that. We've talked about that in the past. And there's just some days that don't go as we planned. And there's certain seasons in motherhood that don't go how we would like. And sometimes we get stuck in a little bit of a rut and how we feel about ourselves. And so I'm having you here today to share some ways we can get out of those ruts and ways we can love ourselves when we're not feeling our best. So great. Yes. And such an important topic, I think for anybody, right? Like we all have so-so days, bad days. um, And I think especially being a parent or being a mom, you know, kind of adds that extra layer to it because we do have other responsibilities, those, those little humans. Um, and, and a lot of times they dictate our days, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know if I don't get enough sleep at night, I wake up the next morning and I am not the best mom I can be. And it just sets my whole day off. So I think there's certain practices that even start the night before the next day uh, that could help a little bit more, whether it's going to bed earlier. I know sometimes as moms, we don't get a lot of sleep because our little ones wake us up a lot in the middle of the night or, um, you know, we have so much on our plate, we feel stressed. And I know sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. wide awake with insomnia because I feel like, oh, I didn't do that today or I didn't get that done. So what are some some practical things that you can suggest of even setting us up for a better day the night before? Yeah. So, you know, the night before, there's definitely things that we can be doing to help set us up. But with that being said, I like to remind people that life happens, right? So plans don't always go as planned. 
But having that plan in place can be so helpful Um, because even if it doesn't go exactly as planned, there was that basic structure in place and maybe some of it will actually happen. So the night before, I always recommend that everybody kind of look at their day the next day loosely, look at it and see what you have going on and then try to come up with a plan for that day, right? So maybe carving out some time in advance, like, oh, I have a break at this time, I'm going to do this. Um, And then the night before, it's also good to, when you do get your kids to bed and you're ready to go to sleep, it actually can be really helpful to do something relaxing for yourself before you actually close your eyes to go to sleep. So that could be, you know, obviously your bedtime routine is very helpful to get your mind and body prepared for bed and to kind of calm down. But also when you're laying there in bed, you could do some deep breathing, you could do an imagery exercise, some meditation. And something else that I find really helpful that it made me think of it when you had mentioned, you know, in the middle of the night, you might wake up with all those things on your mind that you need to do is to do what we call a a brain dump. And I, and I know you and I've discussed that before, um, but to just kind of jot down, you know, without f- censoring anything, just kind of jot down whatever's on your mind. Oftentimes, these thoughts or these this to-do list, so to say, just keeps hitting replay in our mind until we get it out of our brain or out of our mind kind of on paper. So it's very common that people wake up in the middle of the night with things on their mind of things that they have to do, reminding themselves of different items on their to-do list because we haven't written it down. So it's just, you know, very helpful to get that out on paper and you can do it before you go to bed as a preventative measure, you know, so then hopefully it's already out of your brain on that paper. And then that will give you that calming sense to be able to sleep a little, a little bit better throughout the night. Yeah, that's so helpful. And I actually love, I call it externalizing, you know, my thoughts because, you know, when I, when it's not just in my brain anymore, and like you said, it's actually on paper, there's just something that happens, you know, physiologically in our body to just let it go, you know, let those thoughts go, let those stressors go. It's, it's tangibly on a piece of paper that we can look at and then, you know, reference later, but it it does actually help me sleep well through the night. So thank you for reminding me of that. I I don't even do that enough and I should. (laughs) Yes, I don't either. But I will say that I don't typically wake up in the middle of the night with those thoughts. If I did, I I, I would do that because it, it is quite helpful. Yes, it is. Now, I know something I love that you do on Instagram specifically is you have a morning meditation um, where you uh, remind everyone and teach everyone to you know take some deep breaths and to pause. Um, will you share more about that practice? And hopefully, you know, people can start implementing that in their own lives in the morning, right when they wake up. Yeah, sure. So as I had mentioned about before we go to sleep, that it's really helpful to have something that's calming. Um, I say the same thing about the morning, that we want to be kind of bookending our day in this mindful space, being calm um, to help kind of encourage the day and promote calmness. So many of us wake up to an alarm and then all of a sudden we're kind of all over the place, checking email, running here, running there. And before we know it, we're just like, stressed, right? So what I try to do um, with that morning meditation with my community is to just remind people to just take a moment to be present, just take a moment to pause, to just be. And ideally, you know, I recommend that people do this while they're in bed, actually, obviously, if, if they're already scrolling and they see it on my Instagram, you know, we're in a way trying to prevent that from happening. But um, the idea is that wherever you are to just pause and be present and take a few deep breaths to kind of 
jumpstart our day and set the tone of our day feeling more calm before we run to Instagram, before we run to our emails and doing all of these other things, which we know then, you know, just kind of puts us in a different mood, in a different space. So if we can all just take that moment, and it can also happen throughout the day. I mean, I encourage people to do it at all times of day. You know, maybe for anybody that's listening right now, can even do it right now as they're hearing us to just take a pause, take a breath, and be present right now. And one of the reasons it's also so important to do that is because there's so much noise in the world, right? There's all these messages that we're getting from media, from from everywhere, right? And many times we miss signals that our brain or or our body are giving us that we're stressed, you know, those physical symptoms or or other things. And we miss it because we're go, go, go on the go. So if we can just remind ourselves to take a few minutes here and there throughout the day, both first thing in the morning, throughout the day, and before we go to bed, we might be able to be more, well, we will be able to be more in tune to our bodies and be more aware of what's actually going on. And I think that way we can actually catch things before it gets to a point that maybe it's more severe, right? Because we want to be catching our stress before it becomes chronic stress, before it becomes burnout. And by just taking that moment to check in with ourselves, could do a body scan to breathe, we're able to do that. Exactly. And would you suggest maybe sending even an alarm on our phones throughout the day until we get used to that practice naturally to remind ourselves to take those breaks through the day? Absolutely. Yeah. I have a few clients that we do that. We have um, reminder alarms on their phone or like post-it notes, you know, in certain areas of their um, house or by their computers to just kind of pause, breathe and do a check-in, you know, check in with yourself. How are you doing? What do you need right now? What's going on? Yeah. I love those check-ins. I've been doing those a lot more lately too, when they've really helped. And because I'm on the go so much and because I have so many things on my plate day to day between, you know, packing the kids' lunches, getting them to school, doing my work, picking them up, going to after school, you know, activities and, and so on. I'm sure we all can relate, you know, to everyone's listening right now that I have to set those reminders because if not, the day just goes and all of a sudden it's bedtime and I'm thinking, wow, I never checked in with myself. And when I do, so my true. mental health is so much better. Like it's so much better. Even just 30 seconds. It doesn't have to be long, right? Yeah. And and I love actually that what you just described about your day, because I think a lot of parents can relate to that, right? Like we're we're making breakfast, not just for ourselves, but for others. We're making lunch for for others. We're making dinner. We're running here and there and picking up the kids. And so many times I get the question, and I know you do too, what if I just don't have the time, right? And we're talking about just a minute or 30 seconds or two minutes, but sometimes we really feel like we don't even have that time. And that's where, and I, and I know you and I both have discussed this together and we both love it, but that's where those micro practices are so important. And what I mean by that is while you're making the lunch, while you're, you know, in the shower, while you're washing your hands, take that moment then, you know, and, and we can do it at the same time. You know, if you're washing your hands, for instance, you can be so present and feel the water on your fingers and feel the soap suds through, you know, with your hands. And that's a way of taking this mindful moment, but not having to just sit and be quiet and be still um, and doing it at the same time. It can be very helpful to even be doing it in other ways. And really, it's just about being more mindful in what we're doing. 
right? Instead of like being on the phone, and I know I do this all the time, (laughs) instead of like being on the phone and folding my laundry, I could just be folding my laundry and being present and checking in with myself while I'm folding my laundry or doing that deep breathing. And I think those are really good kind of hacks um, for parents, especially that if we feel like we don't have time, we can create that time during those spaces. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think there's a lot of times and even I make excuses for myself, make excuses for my time. You know, I'll say I don't have the time. And I know, you know, self-care has kind of gotten a bad name over the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic of, you know, what does that really mean? You know, I don't have the time to spend the day at a spa or to drive to the beach and, you know, see the waves crash and and whatnot. And to be still seems so hard these days. Um, What do you suggest for someone who just feels so overwhelmed that they can't even add self-care to their plate because it's just too much? Yeah. And I think it's how we define self-care, right? And what self-care means to us. Because right, when you had said like driving to the beach and watching the waves crash, I literally, or even the spa day, I'm literally thinking to myself like, when have I done that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, and right, maybe when I was like in grad school or something on a weekend, maybe I did that. Um, but it's just not realistic for many people. And I think that's why doing these little acts of self-care every single day is really important because we also don't want to wait until burnout right? We don't want to wait until we actually need it. Um, and that's what I always say is, for instance, our stress management tools that we use to help us decompress, to help us deal with stress, actually are self-care practices. The difference is we're using them when we don't need them. We're using them when we want to. We're in a different state of mind. So if we, for instance, do deep breathing when we're under stress, great. It already works to lower your stress level. So why don't we do it when you're not stressed? And then as a preventative way, and now you're lowering that stress level even more, kind of like getting it to your baseline. And that's the key is to be doing these things on a regular basis, not when we need them necessarily, but when we want to do them, when we feel like we want to do them in order to help prevent things from getting to the point where we're like, that's it. I need a vacation, right? That's it. I really need a whole day off which is great. You know, if you could spend a whole day at the spa or have a day off, amazing. But since we can't do that on a regular basis, I also don't want people to have to wait until that day to feel good again, right? So why not now? Why not take a breath now? Why not while you're in the shower, do some deep breathing, listen to some music, whatever's calming um, for each individual, I think is really important to just do it now and start start today. Such great advice. And I think another obstacle that gets in the way, and again, I'll speak for myself. I don't want to, you know, assume that every mom feels the same way I do as a mom. What can we tell ourselves when we aren't feeling our best, but we feel guilty for taking the time out to do it? I think there's so many times where I feel like maybe I don't deserve it or, you know, I should be doing something else, uh, whether it's, you know, doing more responsible things around the house, paying the bills, you know, doing the laundry, getting the dishes done. And even 30 seconds sounds daunting because we could or should be doing something else. And that mom guilt gets stuck in the way. How can we help ourselves when we're in that type of mindset where we feel like, A, we don't deserve the self-care or we can't take the time because we should be with our kids or our spouse or doing something else. And usually moms get put last on the list. How can we move ourselves up a little bit on that list? 
Yeah, and it's and it's so hard, right? And I and I know that all the tips and the tools that we're talking about today are much easier said than actually done and putting them into practice. But it starts with one small step, right? And one small change. And I think, you know, something to keep in mind is when we're talking about self-care and worth and deserving this is that we can be our best when we take time out for ourselves. So if we are running, running, running and doing everything for everybody else, eventually we're not going to be able to do it in the best way that we want to be doing it, right? We become irritable, we become, you know, angry, tired, all of these things. So I like to remind myself that this is for me in order to be the best me for my son, for my family, for my friends, for my clients. And if I don't do it, I know what the consequence is. So kind of using that self-talk, and it doesn't have to be a positive self-talk, right? It can be just something very realistic and neutral. It's not always helpful to be super positive if it's not realistic, but to remind yourself that you're doing this for you because you also matter. And I think that's really important that our kids matter, but guess what I do too? Their needs matter, but mine do too. Um, so kind of, and it takes time, I think, to fully accept that, um, but we don't have to fully accept it to acknowledge it, right? We just have to start acknowledging it, saying it over and over to ourselves, putting some boundaries perhaps in place, communicating this to others. You know, if that's like saying to your partner, or your child, can you just give me a minute? You know, mommy needs to go take a break. Um, and I and I know I do that often. I'm like, mommy just needs a break or mommy needs to go get fresh air. Um, and, and I just remind myself that if I don't do that, what's going to happen? So if we can try to remember that what happens if we don't do it and how we feel when we do do it, um, in time, it will get easier. I love that. And we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about how to love our bodies after being a mom and also how to give ourselves some grace when those bad days come up and how to move on from them. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life, and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. Okay, Dr. Rachel, so the first thing I want to ask you is... Oh, we're off. Oh, sorry. Right oh, no, we're back on. <laughs> sorry. Oh, no, we're back. We're good. No, we're good. I'll edit that part out. <clears throat> Dr. Rachel, one thing I want to ask you is how do we find ourselves again after losing ourselves into being a mom? I know there were so many hobbies and things I enjoyed before I became a mom. And now that I have this mom identity, I feel like a lot of it's been lost. And I feel like that contributes to sometimes me not really loving myself because I don't even know who I am anymore sometimes. I'm just mom. So how do we find that person that used to be in all those years leading up to being a parent a little easier? Yeah. And first, I'm just going to say, but you're not just a mom, right? And, and I think that is important for us all to remember because you're right. I think when we become moms, 
that becomes our primary role, at least for a pretty long time, right? Like the for the first few stages, the first few months, especially. But it's hard then to kind of remember who we were before. Um, and I think it's important to remind ourselves that we can have many roles and we can wear many hats also at the same time. And in order to do that, what I tend to recommend is for people to make a list of what brings them joy and make a list of what they are other than being a mom. So for instance, I often have a long list. You know, I'll say I'm a psychologist, I'm a consultant, I'm a speaker, I'm a mom, I'm a friend, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, almost to remind myself, right, right. that we can have all of these roles and that's okay. But what's important is to remind yourself of what brings you joy. And maybe it's different. Maybe the things that brought you joy before you were a mother, maybe they don't bring you joy anymore. Or maybe they're not things that you choose to do anymore and that's okay. But what's important then is that you find new things that bring you joy and that remind you that you are not just a mom. Although I think being, quote, just a mom is also okay. Um, but there's so much more to us than our label or our title of mother. And I think if we only consider ourselves a mom or a mother, right there, we're losing the sense of that we are also important, right? Yeah. We are also a human. We, are, we also have individual needs. We're not just a mom. Yeah. And I try to incorporate that into some of my daily practices, even more recently, just because I was going through a similar phase where I felt like I was ignoring a part of me that had just been too long. And so I used to love reading. I used to read so many novels and just so many books, you know, outside of school. I used to read so much just for fun on my own. And I haven't done that a lot or very well <laughs> since my kids have been born. So A, because I'm probably just too tired at night and I go right to bed because that's usually when I would read right before I went to bed. And so now that both of my kids are starting to learn to read, well, my daughter's been learning to, or she's read for a couple of years now. My son is now in kindergarten. He's learning to read. Um, I have a reading time now that I've implemented at night. So all three of us read together, right? So I, I read the book I want to read, which is, you know, right now a, a self-help book <laughs> that, I'm, that I picked up that I thought was really neat. And, um, but I have a novel on my bedstand too. So I have that on, on standby. And then my kids each bring a book into the room and they read silently. And we do it for about 20 minutes because that's what the teachers recommend anyway. And we all get, it's some quiet time, but we all benefit and we get to read. And then I get to go back to reading, which is something I loved before being a mom. And so I, I don't do it alone necessarily, but I found a way to make it work in our family system. So we all do it together. And so just just a way to, to incorporate it, because like you said, even with running, I think you, you're a big runner. You run a lot in the city. And I read something the other day that you wanted to run. And so you took, I, I think it was at least your son, maybe even your husband too, but you all went running together as a family and your son loved it, yeah. right? So exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say that I often say I make it work. And I love that that's what you just said, that you make it work, because that's a great example of making it work. Um, and that's something that I think is so important to remember that when we have children, that, you know, once again, our needs are important. And sometimes it's okay, you know, or, or rather a good thing to encourage them to join us, right? Maybe my son would have never known that he liked running or, or hated running if he didn't. And and actually, even since he was born, um, he's been 
walking, running with me, you know, in the stroller when he was old enough, of course, to be in the jogging stroller. Um, But it became something that we did. And then, you know, we do these family runs. And my son is now at the point that he sees, he he literally looks at me and he's like, mommy, you're in your running clothes. You're going running. I want to come. And sometimes he can't come because he's like getting ready to go to school or something like that. But it's so great. And, you know, and I think back because when I first had him, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would still be running now if I didn't make it a point to make sure that I continued running then or even taking him on a walk in the stroller. Um, But that was really important to me. And so I found a way to make it work for us, you know, and and of course, that's not going to work for everybody. But I think that's the key. And that's the point of, you know, loosening up in a way our thought process, you know, we need to be a little bit more flexible that, okay, you know what, you love reading. And maybe you can't read by yourself because of all these other reasons. And maybe if you took out 20 minutes to read by yourself in a corner, maybe you would feel guilty for doing it while the kids are running around this or that, or maybe you just wouldn't enjoy it as much. But you found a way to be able to do it and incorporate them and include them, which I think is great. And that is exactly like what, like me with running. It's like, okay, I either go running by myself sometimes and feel guilty. Maybe that, you know, I left everybody else at home or we all go together. Yeah. And maybe it looks a little different, but that's okay. Yeah. I think that's the acceptance piece is is so important to remember. And then I just want to jump on the grace part as well, because, you know, giving ourselves grace, I think, again, is some something so hard to do because that mom guilt creeps in a little bit. Um, so whether, you know, we have a bad day, I think we come to the conclusion sometimes that that means we're a bad mom. You know, or if we didn't cook dinner or a nice meal that night, we get takeout for the third night this week. We must be a bad mom because we can't, you know, keep our kids, you know, um, having good nutrition at at night or whatever it is. And we just jump to that conclusion that because this went wrong or I had a bad day, that means I'm the worst mom of the year. So how can we give ourselves grace more? I know um, I'll bring it up again because I love this concept that I literally keep in my head all the time as my little mantra um, about the concept of being good enough. You know, I think so so much of us, um, there's so much competitiveness out there right now, especially with social media and all these apps that we that we look at um, that we we could not just compete with ourselves to be the best person we can be. We compete with others because we see it. And even if it's just a highlight reel, it's still internalized by us of thinking, well, we're not good enough because of this, this, and this. So can you share your concept of being good enough and how we can give our great gives ourselves grace a little bit more when we're having those bad days and not just jump to the fact that we're just a bad mom? Sure. So, you know, I, the good enough concept is, is so important. And I think the sooner we can all learn it, the better, um, because it's really life-changing. It is. And, you know, it's, it's, truly that good enough is good enough. And, you know, we're all human and there is no perfect. And we can't make dinners every single night, perhaps, and do everything else that we want to do. So, you know, so sometimes we have to make it work, right? And we realize that this is good enough for me and my family. And I think that's really important to keep in mind because you're right, we can all compare. And as humans, we, we like to compare. It's normal. And the unfortunate part, though, is that we are comparing to not knowing what somebody else's reality is. We're comparing it to that highlight reel, and then we feel bad about it when we really don't know anybody else's stories but our own. So I think if we can remind ourselves that I'm doing the best that I can for me and my family, and that is all I can do, and let that be good enough. 
because sometimes we have to be the good enough parent in order to be the good enough person at work, say, in order to be the good enough this. And I like to think of it too as, you know, or remind people that life is like a pie, right? We don't have a work life and a home life. We have life. It all fits into this same pie, say, in one area. And sometimes we might feel like it shifts a little different and that's okay. Maybe most of the pie is taken up maybe with mom life, but maybe tomorrow it'll shift a little bit. So whatever it is, that's okay, but we have to accept that and be kinder to ourselves because our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are all linked, which I know we didn't mention earlier, and I figured it was going to come up at some point during our talk, but our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are all linked. And if we are telling ourselves that we are not good enough, if we are telling ourselves that I'm a bad mom, I don't deserve this, it's going to directly impact how I feel about myself, and then it's going to impact how I act and my behaviors, and it becomes a really vicious cycle. So that's where we can start being mindful and more kinder to ourselves in terms of the words we're using when we speak to ourselves. And if we're a parent, we could be mindful of the words we're speaking even to ourselves in front of our children because they're picking up on that. And then they're internalizing it too, that, oh, wow, if mommy is a bad mom because she can't cook every day, then what am I? I'm going to have to cook every day to be the perfect mom, right? So I think it's so important and it all goes back to this self-talk and what we tell ourselves. And it all starts by just going back to what we were talking about at the beginning is being more present and being more mindful. I love that. Well, I want to continue that concept when it comes to accepting and loving our bodies after being a mom. I know after being a mom, a lot of our bodies change. And I know I've worked with a lot of other moms in my practice or just talking at you know car the car line pickup after school and there's a lot of um, low self-worth issues that come up that they're not good enough anymore because they don't love their body you know um, maybe even be resentful sometimes about being a mom because their bodies have changed and they they're not loving themselves and loving what they look like and maybe even mourning who they used to look like or who they used to be what advice would you give to them i know you, you talk a lot about um body image and things like that and you've done a lot of work in this in this um uh part of the field so i'd love to hear your tips on how we can love ourselves a little more when it comes to that yeah and and you're right you know, I, I hear that often too. And we hear that often, you know, with pregnancy and motherhood and, you know, how our bodies change. And of course they change, right? We just, we just grew and nurtured and birthed a baby. Um, so our bodies are supposed to change. And I think that's the first thing to remind ourselves is that it's normal and it's supposed to happen. Um, but then we can also tell ourselves, you know, we don't have to actually love our bodies every single day, every moment of the day. I think it's actually pretty unrealistic to think that we would. And I think that's where we have to remind ourselves that it's okay. You know, we have bad days, we have better days. We have some days that we might not love our bodies quite as much and we might, you know, feel bad about it and that's okay. It's what we do on most days, but I think also it's about thinking about our body as a whole right? Many times people want to pick little pieces apart. I don't like this. I don't like that. But this is our body. And if we can remind ourselves of what our body went through and where we are now, you know, I think it's easier to, not easy, but it's easier to make that shift if we think of the function that our body is serving. So our body 
was able to grow and nurture and birth this child. Um, you know, our body is able to run around after our child, perhaps, or sit on the floor and play with our child. I think that can be extremely powerful, but many people forget that and they just look at the outward appearance, which I know is difficult because that's all we see, right? We see the outward appearance. We don't see the internal struggles. We don't see anything else that's going on. So it is hard. But if once again, if we can work on that self-talk and remind ourselves of what our function of our body is doing for us um, and get away from appearance focus, I think we can start loving our bodies and loving ourselves a little bit more. I'm not saying once again, fully loving and that's okay, but we can love it a little bit more or maybe even just accept it. You know, maybe we don't love our body and that's okay. Or maybe we love our bodies for being able to birth our children. But maybe then I'll just accept my body for the way it is. And that's hard. I, I know it's hard. I had a client that we talked about this this morning. It's not easy. And it takes time for that shift. But the small steps of starting to remind ourselves of what our bodies are capable of doing and trying to get away from the appearance focus will lead you in that right direction. And in time, one will be more accepting. And the appearance focus won't be, it won't be as focused on the appearance. I love that. You have such great advice. And I always love talking to you. Where can others find you uh, online to uh, follow along with you and hear all of your amazing advice and tips and so forth? Well, thank you so much. And I always love chatting with you as well. Um, so I'm on Instagram, which is Dr. Rachel NYC. And my, my um, website is also drrachelnyc.com. I do always like to just remind people that Instagram is not therapy. I love hearing from people. Send me messages. Say hi. DM me. I love connecting. Um, I'm happy to give resources and general information, but you know, I, I am not able to share specific recommendations as everybody is an individual, um, but I do love connecting with people. Well, thank you so much. And we can't wait to have you on again one day. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.